What's up, everybody? It's Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I've got Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief. And together, this is our What's the Headline podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. We're going back to back this week. This is dope, man. After kind of a quiet summer, you know, here we are with two straight episodes and two straight weeks, like the old days. Summer's heating up, right? Hotter than July. Long, hot summer, man. We're the master ace. Yeah, so it was about a year ago, if I remember correctly. You probably remember better than I do, but we had a wild, wild feud that popped off last summer. It was uh, Royce 5'9", Lupe Fiasco primarily, but a lot of people got in the mix. It was uh, RJ Payne, Mickey Fax. Um, you remember anybody else? Who else yeah, uh, 38 Special was kind of in the mix as well, and Ransom. Yeah, and it all started over really some hip hop shit. It's actually kind of dope. Like who who's the best spitter? Like who can outrap who? And it got to the point where it got heated and kind of personal. And so we broke that down. And similarly, I don't know if it's a summer thing. Uh, you know, uh it, it always does things do start to tempers do flare in the summer, it seems. But we've had a dust up that happened in the last week or so between three. Uh, very prominent players, I think, for our our audience, um, you know, for us personally, uh, for sure. Um, and that is Funkmaster Flex, who's at the center of it, along with Conway the Machine and then Pete Rock. And it started off with with Conway and Flex. And we're going to get into the, the whole thing. We'll do it. We'll do a deep dive. But it, it turned into more of a Flex versus Pete Rock type battle. And it's gotten kind of it's gotten kind of ugly, I, I must say. Um, you know, is that a, a appropriate word? You think? Yeah, I mean, this one got messy, and even along the way, Flex in particular has said, "Like you are somebody." Up until fairly recently, I would consider a friend. I mean, these are two guys, you know, from above Manhattan. Flex kind of represents the Bronx. Pete Rock being money earning Mount Vernon. Um, there's a lot of history between these two guys, and let's not forget. I think that. You know, we know Pete Rock as, you know, a GOAT level producer. I will say he's in the conversation um, and a phenomenal DJ, also known to spit, you know, on tracks, incredible ad libs, background vocals. But Pete, you know, for a lot of people, not my generation, and I also didn't grow up in the tri-state, but Pete's career kind of kicked open through radio. So these are two guys who in their time have been massive voices of New York and tri-state radio. Yeah. You know, we had a we have these GOAT competitions where we let the audience decide who is the greatest of all time in different categories. We did it with MCs. We did it with albums. We did it with producers. And I, I think that I believe that Pete was top five in that, you know, um, and you no, know, certainly top 10. But I believe top five. He's definitely one of my top five producers. Uh, you know, he is, like you said, a real GOAT level producer. He's also, I think, an underrated rapper, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, with him and CL Smooth, he, his lines were incredible, his flow. I find that producers tend to have really, really dope flows. You know, they hear mm-hmm. the beat so well, they really, really mesh with it. And Pete is definitely one of those, those people, um, you know, he, but he's also a DJ, you know, like, like a lot of producers, he started off that way too. Um, you know, he's DJing with Marley Marl and Mr. Magic at BLS. He's got like royalty in his family beyond himself. Um, he's Heavy D's cousin. They grew up together in Mount Vernon. Uh, you know, Pete Rock is a real OG in this, in this hip hop game. I've uh, been doing it for 
30, 35 years, something like that. Like, and still yeah. going strong. Like uh, in the last few years, I would say he's had some of his best um, releases in the last like five years or so. Had an incredible al album called Retropolitan with Sky Zoo. Uh, you know, had a great project with Smoke Dizza. Um, yeah, he's he's really, really, really been in his bag over the last few years or so. Yeah, I would agree with that. He put out yeah a whole album with Dizza that I really enjoyed called Don't Smoke Rock. That was an ill title in 2016. And then, you know, about three years ago, he did like an EP-ish, you know, in the modern age, EP is a crazy word. But he did a project with Dizza and Benny the Butcher called um, Statue of Limitations, which AFH was frontline supporting. And he also has an artist from Mount Vernon called um, Amir that he's working a lot with and, you know, put out a whole project called, uh, what was it called? 21 Pounds of Dope or something like that. It's always, he's always playing in on his name, but yeah, Pete is, is very prolific, um, arguably more so than some of his GOAT level peers, you know? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Statue of Limitations was incredible. Maybe 10 years or so ago, a little less, he did a project with Camp Lowe. Mm -hmm. uh, was it uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's or 80 uh, Blocks? 80, 80 Blocks, 80 blocks it, uh, yeah, yeah. Smith and uh, Wesson album. I mean, Pete, you know, because him and CL, you know, and we'll talk about it, their group, like a lot of groups, is kind of on again, off again. You can look at the Ghetto Boys, you can look at um, Goody Mob. There's certain groups that pick up and drop off, you know, for various reasons. But Pete has done full albums with other very respected artists. And yeah, you just named a few of them. So Pete has been dropping heat. Uh, a lot of remixes, too. You want to talk about some of the remixes? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at lists online, a lot of people consider one of the greatest remixes of all in terms of just totally redoing the beat. Um, Public Enemy shut him down, you know, that remix. I, me, myself, I love the original so much. But lately, I've been banging the remix. It's a neck and neck tie. Pete also did Jump Around, you know, by House of Pain, which, you know, DJ Muggs produced it. It's one of those songs that, I think, you know, kind of can get like a mosh pit level excitement. Pete flips it and adds that smooth, cool Pete Rock style to it. You know, you can go down the list, you know, Dawes Effects, EPMD. Um, you know, what are some other Pete Rock remixes that jump out at you? Any in particular? I mean, you hit the the big ones for me. Uh, you know, I think, though, that we, we got to talk about his actual productions, too. You know, yeah. um, standout productions on Illmatic. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's done stuff with AZ, rather unique, like he's, just, and, you know, all the Pete Rock and CL Smooth albums, you know, I, I would say like our classic level material. Uh, so, yeah, Pete, Pete's discography is just, is really, um, is, is like pristine in my yeah. opinion. You know? Yeah, I would, I would argue, you know, I would not argue that, that I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and yeah, phenomenal producer. I saw him DJ with our uh, cohort, Amanda Bonita Mester, we went to a Dilla weekend in Philly in 2017 and watched him DJ. And, uh, you know, Pete is, Pete is a true, you know, triple threat with the production, the DJ, and like you said, the rapping. I love his voice and him and CL, their vocal tones. You talk a lot about tones um, played off of each other just so damn well. Yeah, so, so that's Pete. Let's talk about uh, like Funkmaster Flex, what, what he's meant to hip hop over, I'd say a similar period of time, you know, we're talking like 30 years or so mm -hmm. and change with Flex. You know, I think Flex is more than anyone associated with Hot 97. You know, when you think about Hot 97 hip hop, you got a lot of like big personalities that have come through the doors over the years. You had Star and Buck Wild, 
Obviously, you have Ebro um, and and Peter Rosenberg now. Angie, uh, Angie Martinez, you know who's over at uh, Power One Hundred Five now. Um, but Funkmaster Flex has been a mainstay there for thirty so thirty or so years. Uh, he's put out a lot of his own projects, and Flex is kind of that guy who was the one to stamp New York artists. You know, uh, when Flex put you on, you kind of like were on and, and took off from New York. I think he's associated with New York radio, period, you know, regardless of Hot 97, more so than any DJ that I can think of in the last 30 years or so. Um, and, you know, clubs, like he had like incredible nights at the tunnel years ago. I think it was Sunday nights uh, where he, he took, you know, took over the tunnel and that's the place where you went and you broke records before they were getting broken in strip clubs. Like Flex has had, um, you know, an incredible impact, not just on radio, but on music in general. Uh, but anything else you want to say about Flex? Yeah, I mean, for me, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my stepmother is from North Jersey, like outside of the Newark area. And I remember as a kid taking my, you know, RCA tape Walkman with radio Anytime I was in Newark airport, anytime I was visiting her family, um, listening to Hot 97 was like a rite of passage. Like, and, and I would stay up mad late and you, you flex and those other personalities, it just meant so much because it was a different type of radio than I was hearing in Pittsburgh or Cleveland. I mean, it was cutting edge, cult- cutting edge culture. You could hear stuff that hadn't been formally released yet. You get a lot of cutting and scratching. And as we talk about vocal tone, I mean, Flex has this ability, you know, true to hip hop's heritage, you know, with dance hall and, and, and reggae music of, you know, he can bring records to life. It's why, you know, when you bought Warriors by MOP, it's Flex talking at the beginning of Annie Up, you know, getting those records started. And, and to your point, too, you know, now we see it with Static Selector and DJ Khaled and, you know, we've seen it with Clue and other people. But Flex was one of those people, even as a New York tri-state personality that was able to leverage his brand at Loud Records, label made of Pete Rock, into gold-selling and better albums. And those 60 Minutes of Funk, for me, you know, going through adolescence in the late 90s, those were great textbooks of, you know, getting MC freestyles, but also homages to classic records, the instrumentals he chose. So I will always... Um, advocate that that Flex, you know, throughout his career has represented, quote unquote, real hip hop. Um, you know, I interviewed Flex for The Source in 2006 or 2007 um, on some muscle car stuff. Anyone who knows Flex, you know, knows he's he's amassed quite a collection of muscle cars. And I often, you know, run into him at different events. That's a, a passion or an interest hobby of mine as well. And yeah, Flex has always just been, you know, to me, as has Pete, just very, uh, very cordial, very personal. Personal. Yeah, I remember when his 60 Minutes of Funk um, series came out, the, the, the first CD had a freestyle with, with uh, Sadat X and Akineli. Uh, Loud Hangover. Loud Hangover, which was incredible. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, he's, he's put out freestyles over the years, but I'm saying the last three or four years, maybe five years now, he kind of revamped and revitalized the art of freestyling uh, with a YouTube series uh, that's Hot 97 brand. I'm not sure if those made it to the radio or not, but he would bring in uh, a lot of incredible up and coming artists. It was his vehicle to really showcase new talent. And uh, to his credit, he's very diverse. He had a lot of New York spitters, like people who really just had bars. 
but he also had a lot of artists like from the South and other regions who weren't necessarily like super lyrical, but you know, he wanted to kind of give them that platform, that forum. And I now respected that too. You know, uh, there are only a few key vehicles like that left. Uh, you know, you, obviously you have Sway in the morning, but you know, I haven't seen as many freestyles out of them lately. I think LA Leakers has become one of the elite freestyle outlets, but Flex is one of those two. Uh, I'd say one of the best freestyles of the last 10 years came out of Flex, and that was a Black Thought 10 minute or so, uh, just like onslaught, where Thought shut down the internet with a freestyle that showcased his greatness. Royce 59 followed up with something pretty great right after that, too. Um, Tyler. Tyler, the creator, you know, I had a flirtatious moment with with Flex. Uh, That was also a great internet moment. And, you know, another person uh, or or set of MCs that that Flex gave that platform to back in 2019 was Benny the Butcher and Conway the Machine from Griselda, who came in and did their thing, too. So, you know, let's talk about Conway, who was the, the, the last piece to this puzzle. And actually the one who kind of kickstarted it, um, you know, ironically. So Conway is one of three members of Griselda. Um, you know, Griselda is, you know, a label uh, started by West Side Gun, featuring Benny the Butcher and Conway and a number of other artists. It's more than just those three, but those three are the, the prominent face of Griselda. They're out of Buffalo. They, uh, I think more than almost any other crew, represent the resurrection of New York style hip hop from the 90s. You know, lyrical, gritty, underground, often no hooks, and just like have been a machine in terms of churning out product. Um, Each of them puts out maybe as much as three projects per year. And this has been going on for the last six, seven years, maybe maybe longer than that. Um, they, they eventually, uh, got on Eminem's radar and signed a deal with Shady Records and Conway has been that guy who overcame a lot of adversity, you know, uh, was a victim of a gun attack, was shot in the face, is you know, permanently paralyzed in part of his face, yet still is able to, um, you know, have the output that he has and has like, you know, it's, it's part of who he is, his identity. At this point, he raps some of the realest lyrics you'll ever hear. Um, he has a song, I think it's called The Cow. I can't remember, but it, it, this, is, it's, this is the realest song I ever wrote is The Hook. And he talks all about, you know, the night that he was shot. Like this guy, like, uh, you know, speaks his truth on the record and is one of the most powerful MCs um, that I've heard in the last, like, you know, five, 10 years or so. Definitely one of the best in the last, ten, last decade or so. Um, and so... Anything else you want to talk about? We've interviewed him, you know, um, with, you know, West Side Gun and Benny. We've interviewed Benny um, a couple times, actually. Uh, we've definitely, you know, tracked and um, ridden with their movement as it's as risen. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot right there. I think that, you know, of the three, um, you know, Conway is probably the quietest. I think he lets his work speak. Um, not somebody who's been terribly media front facing. Um, he just kind of lets the records do the talking. I think, I think, I think Benny is, you know, savvy with it. And, and West Side Gun is both rapper, label founder, and also kind of like the Don King of it all. Like he really knows how to promote the group, you know, say things, back them up. Um, Conway represents that confidence, but, you know, as you look, you know, one point of note, you know, as we talk about flex, flex, 
is different because I think that Flex never had an issue calling somebody out. Um, you know, throughout his 30 years, he's called out Jay-Z. He, he was front and center to the Meek Mill-Drake conflict back in 2015. Him and Busta Rhymes had a major dust-up in the mid-2000s. You know, Flex, you know, puts out albums, but he's almost an artist because he will tell somebody on his show that he doesn't agree with what they're doing. Um, you know, Pete Rock, similarly, especially in the recent years, has been somebody on social media who's called out a lot of the new generation, you know, had, had dust-ups with Young Dolph, Rest in Peace, had dust-ups with Waka Flocka Flame. You know, Pete doesn't mince his words either. And then you get to Conway, who is super confident in what he represents, what the brand represents, but not somebody that I've ever seen um, in a beef headline. You know, even in this year, as Conway has gone, you know, all in in drum work, which is his label, um, and, and there were headlines earlier this year that he had left Griselda, although we continue to see these three guys working together. Even that, Conway navigates with, you know, OG finesse of just like, that's my brother, you know, and I've made money and I've made history with this label. But of course, all three of us are doing other things. So I think that context is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And as this started to unfold, one of the first people to jump online and defend Conway, to your point, was Westside Gun. You know, Conway made it clear that he might not be on Griselda the label because he's off doing his own thing like Benny has with Black Soprano family. But, you know, Griselda, you know, the brand, the entity that the people, the unit is, is very much intact and will always be family. You know, so we talked a little bit about the, the dust ups that Flex and, and Pete have, have been in. Let, let, let's just to like, I always like to level set and let people know kind of like our affiliations and things like that. So that, you know, uh, I just want to be full upfront about that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we try to be objective, but like, I think it's, you know, transparency is always great. Um, over the years, I've interviewed Pete a couple of times. I moderated a panel with him. A good friend of mine managed him for a while and we've cultivated a relationship. Like uh, Pete is a dude who I'll hit up periodically just to see how he's doing, you know, um, always love. Like he's a guy that I respect and uh, really admire tremendously as an artist and a producer, but a person that I, I like genu genuinely as a as a human being too. You know, so I want to put that out there just so people know kind of like uh, my perspective. Um, like you said, we've interacted with Conway uh, a number of times. He was there for the Benny interview that I did. Just came in and was actually sitting. Uh, oh, I forgot that. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and it's always been love with the Griselda cats and us too. Flex is someone that I've met a couple of times. I, I can't say that I know him, uh, but obviously, you know, deep respect and admiration for what he's done too. So anything you want to say on that side? Yeah. I mean, over the years, I interviewed Pete. I've interviewed CL. Um, last year, uh, I think it was last year, the pandemic makes it so foggy, but I, I, I did, uh, you know, I do consulting work too for artists from time to time. I helped them create their narrative and, and put their press bios together. So when you jump on a streaming platform and you want to read about somebody, you go to their website, sometimes those words are mine. And I did that for Pete Rock and I did it for his artist that I mentioned, Amir. And Pete, you know, has been nothing but cordial to me. Um, we've texted a couple other times, just like you. I think when Black Rob passed, you know, I just said, you know, man, my condolences. I know he was somebody you knew. But not on the not on the regular and flex I'll see at a car event and I always, you know, give him a salute or have a quick conversation, interviewed him for the source and certainly not somebody I would consider a friend or an associate He's not in my phone. Um, and Conway the same. I mean, you know, we had a great conversation. Um, Pete, I should say supports AFH all the time on social media. 
Um, Conway has been supportive of, of AFH, but I haven't, uh, yeah, I haven't not been in touch with, with him in the last, you know, three years since you and I were up in the offices interviewing him. But, yeah. you know, these are people, all three of whom we cover. I think we cover in an objective, respectful manner. And of course, this conversation should be no different. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sure, for sure. All right, so, so let's get into it, man. Uh, off rip, I'll say it's interesting because like last year, this all started because of an IG Live conversation. So before we even get into the details of the timeline, it used to be, you know, obviously scraps and feuds and hip hop are not new. Um, you know, I think originally they started in real life on the streets. And then, you know, um, after a while, they started to spill over onto wax and with disc records and things like that. But it seems like now more than anything, social media is the place where people go to air out their dirty laundry and grievances with one another. You know, do you think that it's amplified things? What, why do you think this is happening on social media? You know, I mean, social media, especially a format like IG Live, I think it was true of Twitter too. You know, it's an artist or a, a person of prominence and their fans. And much like Martin Lawrence and Do the Right Thing, I think sometimes our fans can stand beside when there's conflict or there's issues brewing or there's something and they can gash you up further. You know, they can not gash you up in terms of, of give you false perspective, but, you know, it's no different than when you're in a situation and you have somebody with you and they can sometimes ignite the conflict. So there's that. And I think there's also this, whether we admit it or not, we're all desiring for the things that we're saying to have impact. And sometimes the quickest way to do so is to, you know, say something that might be a little bit chippy, as they say, you know, in sports telecasting. The other thing too is, you know, with social media, you can be under the influence. You know, you can, I, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I remember being on it 10 years ago and you know you you have a few drinks or whatever and you know for me it was never I, I never had a twitter argument with anyone in my life but you sometimes i think those things can influence you know what you talk about and i'm not saying that's true of these issues but all of those factors make for a totally different conversation than those that we used to get when you were strictly dealing with yo mtv raps and the source and double xl and rap pages yeah i think you nailed it man um especially on the on the amplification that happens when you got other people around. You know, I, I think about Ice Cube's song, Steady Mobbing. Uh, he's got that line, you know, um, these guys are slap boxing. He goes, tempers is flaring because you got a few blanks staring. You know, whenever, like, you got a crowd watching you, uh, you tend to, I think, uh, puff your chest up a little bit more, put a little bit more bass in your, your voice, and that can lead to situations that wouldn't happen if you were just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone behind closed doors. Uh, in any case, this kicked off on Monday night. Conway was doing an IG Live. And he says he's, he's talking about the fact that he doesn't feel like New York radio has supported New York artists in the way that other radio stations around the country have supported their own local artists. And... 
for whatever reason, and this is something we're going to talk about a little bit later, he singles out Flex to a large degree and, and to some degree DJ Sus1 um, because of this. And maybe it's because what we talked about, Flex being the face of New York radio for 30 years, despite the fact that, to my knowledge, he's never been the programming director. He's really only at one station, and there are several in New York that play um, hip-hop. You know, um, but for whatever reason, Flex is the one that, that Conway singles out. He says, Flex, you're Funk Flex. Everybody came up there to get bombs dropped, you know, and rap on your platforms. But what's wrong? You know, uh, it won't grow. And why the South and the West of Detroit and, you know, won't grow is because um, he says, New York, in my opinion, I've got them old dudes out of the way, like Flex, you know, um, those gatekeepers. They got to go up there. They try to dictate like who, you know, like who um, and like, come on, bro. Good thing I don't need y'all because if I needed y'all, um, you know, you wouldn't play my, my stuff. So he's talking about how Griselda has built their own movement um, and they've done so with very little support of New York, despite the fact that, you know, Flex and other DJs really talk about how great they think Griselda is. You know, he turns to Sus1 and says, you go on Wendy Williams' show on primetime and you say what you said. You know, he had originally called, you know, Conway a top five MC in another context. But he doesn't like, you know, give him that 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 love on the big primetime platforms. Um, and, you know, he says, you got to stand on that going back to Flex. And he said, uh, you didn't. Um, you didn't shit on us. I want to make that clear. Um, but, you know, you don't listen to this kind of music, you know, and that's, a, that's a point he makes too. He talks a lot about how flex has kind of gone with the times instead of like sticking to boom, bap lyrical type hip hop. He's grown with the trap rap and, and probably drill rap now and things like that. And not supporting like the variety of styles out there. So, you know, what do you think about that, first of all? Do you, do you think these are, are fair claims? That claim, Conway's not the first one to make it. Um, Sean Price, rest in peace, you know, a couple years before he died, you know, got at Flex, got at Ebro, got at other people with the same claim. I think that Sean Price wasn't the first. There's a lot of folks that look at New York radio in particular, and, and I'm sure this happens in other cities, as a living, breathing thing that should be a bit of a democracy. And it should reflect what the people want or what the streets want. I think his point to Sus1 is really valid. Like, how can you go on a show in a public setting, say I'm a top five MC, and potentially never play my records? Um, now, I haven't paid close attention to what Sus1 has said, and that really hasn't made headlines this week. But I think his point with Flex is valid in another way, too, of you ask people to come up on your platform. So in 2019, Conway goes up to Flex and does a freestyle that now has, I looked this morning, 4.1 million views. Now, argue, not arguably, that generates revenue for the account holder, which is Hot 97. I don't know if that benefits Flex, but that moment helps advance Hot 97's brand. Flex, you, you come up. Now, you can say the same. You can say that that same spotlight would benefit Conway, especially at that point in his career, which I think was on an ascent to where he is now. But we're working together, but I'm not good enough to be played on radio or you don't deem me appropriate to play on your show. That part, I think, is a valid point to tell Flex to get out of the way. Or to say that these gatekeepers have got to go, I think is extreme, and I'm not sure that I agree with that, you know, 
Um, but what about you? So, you know, I think that we really got to step back and look at what terrestrial radio is and has been for the last, you know, five, 10, 15 years. Um, it is, first of all, a business, and it is one that is fueled by advertising revenue. And so over the years, we've seen the rotation of songs shrink more and more to the point where some playlists are as tight as 10 songs, maybe 15 songs. You know, you got to understand that people uh, are listening to the radio in chunks, you know, five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, often it's commutes. Typically during the, the working hours, um, you know, uh, you know, so I, I used to work at MTV and everyone always uh, beefed about the fact that MTV stopped playing music videos. But the reason why MTV did that is because every single video was a potential exit point. You know, you might like this song, but the second a song came on that you didn't like, you were out. That's interesting. So instead, we had to create um, stories and, and TV shows that lasted 20, 25 minutes with a, a through line so that you wanted to stay for the entire half an hour and preferably, you know, the half an hour after that and so forth. So that, you know, it's purely an economic thing. Um, and radio is the same thing. Like every song is an exit point. Um, and so, and, and every advertisement too, um, which is why you get bombed with so many at once, but they, they try and break it up in chunks. So if you're in the car and let's say your commute is 15 minutes or so, you want to hear the hits. And so that's why radio uh, playlists are as tight as they are. So that's like prime time, like we're talking morning, like uh, evening commute. During the day, you'll have some other talk shows that like we talked about Angie Martinez, and she's got like an afternoon talk show on Power 105. And at nighttime is when you have the mixtape DJs. Their playlist expands a bit. So they may go from 10 and 15 to maybe 30 songs, and they'll put in some uh, some stuff they like, some some up and coming things and stuff like that. But it's still a very, very tight playlist. And now more than ever, it's dictated by what's popping online. And so they're going to be looking at Rap Caviar and other playlists like that to um, narrow in on what they're doing. They're also trying to shape the demographic. Radio is an aging platform because most kids, uh, most people under 35 are listening to whatever they want to hear instead of having someone else program them. And so um, in order to appeal to the youth, they're also doing the things that um, that they're also playing the music that appeals to people of a certain demographic. And that's the kind of stuff you're finding on the rap caviars and things like that. So all that to say that this is a business. And um, even if they like certain other rap forms, um, they're only going to play the things that fit within um, what their business objectives. Yeah, I mean, I think Hot 97 is an anomaly, though. I um, It always was, I thought, idyllic of what radio stations could be and should be. Um, I, You know, I'd never lived in New York, but there were times in my life, especially in the mid-2000s, where I would commute four to five times a week, you know. And again, I would have my radio with me because I wanted to see what the pulse of the culture was. And I remember a moment, you know, where Flex played Busta Rhymes, New York shit, you know which was never a single. Um, and he played it, I'm going to say five times back to back, like dropping bombs, going crazy, talking his ish. That is, that is role defined. You know, flex was cutting edge that way. And, and I believe has the capacity to still be DJ K slay, rest in peace. His Thursday night radio show 
the playlist was your Saigons, your Joel Ortiz, your Uncle Murders, your Fred the Godsons, you know, guys that never, some in some cases, didn't have label representation at the time. But New York and Hot 97, and to some degree, Power 105, have built um, a culture around being cutting edge. So I do think Conway has a valid point in that. I do understand that dollars are there, but you are talking about one of the best radio markets, period. You step into a deli in New York, you step into a retail, you know, on Broadway, you're going to hear Hot 97 or Power. You're going to hear those radio stations. You have a captive audience. And, and New York, you know, I'm in Philly right now is a different place that way. And I do think there is some responsibility to reflect the culture. But, and we're going to talk about this with Flex Rebuttal, it is not for Conway to say, or it's hard for Conway to say, or any artist, what is real hip hop if there is New York music being played. That's, that's the, the counterpoint that needs to be amplified. So what I'll say to that is, yes, these are local stations, but the reality is, is they're owned by national conglomerates. And, uh, you know, so you've got iHeartRadio, I believe Clear Channel is still one. You have like three or four conglomerates that control the vast majority of radio stations across the country. And generally, they have the same playlists across the board, um, you know, for um, they have the same playlists, you know, across the board for every market. And, you know, they'll sprinkle in a, a couple of songs that may be popping regionally. Um, so that means that it's going to be difficult for them to have an expanded playlist of regional artists. And right now, the music that's popping online for New York is, is, is drill influence. You know, so I would suspect that what, what Flex is going to play when he's got those slots in his mix is going to be reflective of that instead of um, the stuff that Griselda is doing which is also independent and popping, but uh, might reach a, a, a different market than what they're targeting for now. So what I'm basically saying, though, is that while there is some flexibility, I'm not sure that there's this, the, the level of flexibility that most people think there is in terms of what these playlists can do, because they got business things they're trying to achieve. And, um, you know, even with some discretion, but even the mixtape playlists are very tight. Yeah. Um, my question, though, becomes if that's the case across all these different markets, whether or not New York is less supportive of its artists than other regions are. You know, I spent a fair amount of time in LA. Uh, I listened to their radio. I hear LA artists on K-Day, but that's a legacy radio, um, you know, platform really targeting you know, people 20, 25 years ago. So, you know, that explains that. When I when I listen to uh, you know Hot 106 or whatever is you know the big the, the you know Power or Power 105 I, I can't remember what it is uh, 105.9 yeah 106 um, yeah. I hear a lot of the same stuff I hear on New York you know it's the same thing I hear like during the Breakfast Club time you know when DJ Envy is playing um, you know uh, in Philly do you ever listen to terrestrial radio It's been a while but I I have to say that in in the last you know, 15 years, like since the 1996, there were periods of time where they're during mix show, they would bring on artists to freestyle, like local artists. You would hear like Jack Frost is an artist that, you know, has made noise that would just body freestyles for years, you know, both on, on 100.3 as well as power 99 back in the day. And yeah, I mean, that exists, but 
I think the overarching thing is when I get in my car, I'm, I'm usually either listening to my phone, you know, uh, on Bluetooth, what I want to listen to, or uh, satellite radio, which, you know, is something I know you do as well. Yeah, I mean, the examples you've given are like 10, 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, this is, and this is, again, like, people, like, are hearkening back to when MTV played videos, and that was 20 years ago. Like, I think we, we kind of, like, romanticize it, but the yeah. business has, has shifted. But it's funny, though, because, you know, a Hot 97 or a Power will eagerly try to get, you know, a Conway on their morning show, you know, be it Ebro and Rosenberg and Laura Styles or The Breakfast Club. You know, there's all of these different formats in place. And it's a question of who's supporting who. Does it help the artist to get the look or does it help the station to have the artist give their interview first? And I know there's a lot of competition between any city's two or three, you know, stations. And, and what are you really doing, though? Like, you know, I, I'll even say as somebody, I, I was one of those people who used to say that about MTV, but if you watch the real world or road rolls or Jersey Shore or whatever, a lot of those sound beds would be rooted in cutting edge music or rooted in something that was somewhat adjacent to the brand. I have a question. I mean, if, if you're an artist and you're showing love to Flex in one way or you're showing love to Ebro or you're showing love to Breakfast Club, I would want to know what are the steps to get onto the station. And, you know, I mean, Conway made a record with Eminem. He's done this. He's done that. He's made joints, I think, with Lil Wayne. Like, what are the steps to get onto the station? And I think that that will always be murky. Because if you ask, like, is it a sales figure? Is it a number of listens on Spotify? Like, tell me what the metrics are. Then all of a sudden, DJs become tastemakers again. I'm not feeling it. But at the same time, they will eagerly have you on to advance their revenue in other ways and advance their brand. And that is a disconnect to me. Yeah, I think those interviews are a huge look for the artists. Um, and depending on who you're talking about, is a bigger look for the artist than it is for the station. Mm. Yeah, I would say for like a Drake or a, a Cole or a Jay or, you know, someone like that, then it's a good look for the radio station. But given the size of their audience, I think for most other artists, just being on that platform itself is a much better look even than a spin. Yeah. Because you have no idea where a spin is going to go. It's kind of in the ether. And those interviews, as we know, travel like, you know, across the entire internet, you know, but, you know, let's, let's get back to Conway though. And what he's saying about flex, he says, um, this ain't, that ain't his motion. He doesn't listen to that shit. Um, but it's like, what do you listen to then, bruh? Um, he says, uh, you want to ride those dudes who lit and popular in the club and all that. Um, that's the problem. We got to get rid of y'all. Uh, let some new young tapped in, really tapped in with the streets dudes be the DJs and run that shit up there at Hot 97. And I love Hot 97. You know what I'm saying? You know, all them up there. Ebro, like I love them. Uh, so, you know, that's the other interesting thing too. Like, so Ebro is the face of Hot 97 now, the personality uh, on the biggest show in the morning. He's also the programming director. You know what I mean? So more than anyone, um, he has control of what the playlist is. And um, it's interesting to me that Conway, uh, you know, celebrates Ebro, uh, but then like, you know, this is flex for the playlist. Like, so I'm wondering if there's some other stuff going on here that is behind the scenes that, that we're not tapped into. Yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder, and the way that this plays out, and I don't want to jump ahead to that, but when we get to the punchline, which, you know, will enter the picture after Pete Rock, it really makes you wonder. It really, really, really makes you wonder. 
but why don't we um should we talk you know uh flex's response to conway at first well let, let's let's get on this one last piece that, okay. that conway says because um uh i think it it it, it ties into what you were saying earlier you know okay. he says um Y'all, y'all know um, um, you're not effing with Griselda on no day. Conway, Benny, Westside Gun on no day. We ain't never seen this before. I know because the clan told me, Raekwon, my big brother, um, you know, what y'all doing, uh, it, it, what y'all doing, said Bust Rhymes, you know, basically implying how great they are. And it even Hove said, yo, y'all are doing it right now. All of them. But it's weirdos like you, weirdo DJs, and and y'all think that y'all run New York. Y'all is lame and clowns. I hate media. So, you know, you asked a question before about what do you do to have to get on radio? And the reality is, is that there's a reason why it's primarily major label artists that are on radio. Because major label spend like major label marketing money to get their artists to, you know, um, a certain level. Some have argued that that constitutes payola. Others say it's just uh, marketing budget and promo budget. There's, you can go back and read a ton of books like Hitman and... Um, Big Playback, Dan Charnas. All sorts of books that talk about the relationships that record companies have with radio stations and how money uh, influences the playlist. You know, And there's also arguments that that has now crept into digital with Spotify and things like that. But regardless of how it's done, whether it's, um, you know, above board or not, money does play a role in getting people spotlight on certain platforms. Yeah, I mean, and that's real. One thing I want to add, like you spoke of your MTV experience, and that's valid. Like, I think that's so interesting. If they were afraid, if I didn't like Soundgarden and I came for Beastie Boys Sabotage, that I would leave. And I think I can speak like that happened for all of us. I look at Hot 97 as more of a democracy. I look at radio stations. These are living, breathing things. You have people calling in. You're talking about local issues. I ran Hip Hop DX for five to six years, you know, and there were artists that we would cover that I didn't feel, you know, um, Chris Webby, uh, Swollen Members. Um, There were artists that I just didn't like. It wasn't my taste. I didn't find merits um, personally at the time. But we would always take a chance. Like, you want to submit something? Cool, we'll try it. We'll try it in audio. We'll try it here. And if people showed up, if people left comments, if they reacted, they became part of our ecosystem. Um, I think that matters. And I think that that should exist when Conway is good enough for an interview or good enough for a freestyle. I know I seem like I'm harping on the same point, but that needs to come into play. And, And what Conway is saying, too, is, you're fronting on, uh, at one point, he also, he, he likens Griselda to Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang Clan is New York as New York can get. But I couldn't tell you the last time I heard Wu-Tang Clan on, uh, you know, terrestrial radio in New York. You might hear it at, like, old school lunch mix. But are you hearing a new Raekwon or a new Ghostface or a new RZA song on radio? I think not. So yeah, I, I, I hear you. I think the difference, though, is that for Internet, it's limitless. There's literally no cap on what you can do yeah. on the site versus uh, radio. You have X amount of time, literally 24 hours, right? Like, so that's your ultimate cap, but yeah. you, you factor in commercials. That's like 15 hours. Then you factor in the fact that you only have people's attention for 15, 20 minutes. 
you have to like really economize and you can only play a very set amount of things. It's the same thing that we had with BT too. Like we couldn't have everything in the world on 106 and Park because we had two hours a day. So we had to play, you know, the, the top stuff that was going on and maybe like a couple things that are new and up and coming, but it's a business, you know what I mean? And so um, I'm not saying that Conway's anger is not misguided. I'm just saying I'm not sure that it should be directed strictly at flex more so than the conglomerates, the programming directors, like, you know, all that. Yeah. And that part I agree with. And, and Sean Price in particular, when he did that, you know, some years back, he went at Ebro, you know, along with some of the DJs on there. And I believe I believe Flex was one of them at the time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. All right, so Flex, you want to talk Flex? Yeah, so Flex responds, and he, you know, and, and we're, we're cutting around, but Flex points to Conway um, having some well-heeled associations, I'll call it that. He says, so let's begin. You're managed by Rock Nation, and this is all on IG, and Flex captions Jay-Z. You're signed to Shady Records, captions Eminem, distributed by Interscope Records, a major label. You and your team have had a feature from Jay-Z, Eminem, Little Wayne, J. Cole, Jadakiss, Travis Scott, French Montana, and more. Sidebar, um, you know, Conway, you know, went to the Dreamville Sessions. I don't think there's a J. Cole Conway record. Do you? No, I, I think he's talking about Griselda. So like, oh, word. That's, Johnny, okay. Johnny cool. Pete's caddy. Yeah. Word. Yeah. And then he says, um, weren't you on Kanye's Donda album? I'm going to give you the advice Paul Rosenberg should have gave you. You're a 40-plus bars rapper. Sorry, lyricist. That has had every resource possible. If you are not happy with your careers of today and all them cosigns, I think you have peaked, my guy. What do you think? What do you think? You're the only one. You're only going to take this as disrespect because truth might be a bit much for you. And then he signs it, Grandpa, Wheelchair Bandit, Warm Milk General. So that's classic flex humor at the end and, and, and talking loud. But he's basically saying you have everything working in your favor. And you've hit a peak. And I guess to kind of summate, to summarize the, the peak is you're doing all these things, but you're not getting on my playlist. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because, um, you know, Conway very specifically said that they, the older guys needed to get out of the way and clear the path for the younger guys. But young is a relative term, right? Like uh, when we interviewed Benny, he was 34. And uh, we talked about the fact that he was, I think, 34 when he started when he really started to like get into his prime yeah. at that time. And we talked about, about the fact that people thought that rap was a young man's game. And Benny was like, rap is a grown man's game. It's never been a young man's game. You know, that was you, the headline. You got to have life perspective. You got to have something to talk about. You got to have the mind for this. Uh, so really debunking that, that notion that rap is for kids, you know, and Conway, um, you know, you know, as if online ports are, reports are accurate, is 40 himself. Um, and, you know, a lot of these kids who are like 18 or 19 would see him as an elder statesman in hip hop, you know? And so I guess the question then becomes like, who's younger and like, right. who should be gatekeeping? I would also say that I think just given where uh, a lot of New York hip hop is and, you know, really since, I don't know, um, at least the 2010s, New York rap uh, aside from the Griselda cats has sounded like other regions more so like when ASAP Rocky first came out and Ferg and all those guys they're rapping over down south beats and, and I produced this documentary called the message for BT when we interviewed Rocky and he explained that he said listen when I was growing up 
down south was popping, you know, cash money, no limit. And so obviously you're gonna hear those influences in my music. And you listen mm-hmm. to like song early songs of his like Goldie, they're chopped and screwed and like, you know, really got a deep southern influence on them. Um, you listen to designer, he's rapping over trap beats. Um, you listen to pop smoke, he's rapping, you know, drill music. So it's not clear to me that if we were to clear the path for younger uh, people in New York to be the tastemakers, that you would get a return to, return to the Griselda sound and probably would be more uh, of what you're hearing now, because that's what they've been raised on. That's a really valid point. I got to ask you, too. Are you surprised that Flex didn't call out Conway and the Griselda from not being New York City? That's the really interesting thing about it, right, is that... Um, that, you know, ultimately, I guess it depends on what your definition of local is, right? Because there's an argument that Buffalo, and for people who are not in New York and uh, don't really know the geography, Buffalo is far from New York yeah. City. It's like five hours, you know, plus in a car. Um, but I will say this, that, you know, just like Corrupt is not from L.A., I would say that most people would call corrupt a West Coast artist, even though yeah. he's from Philly. You know, like I mean? exhibit um, in LA. Yeah, they, I mean, exactly. I see being from Jersey originally. Yeah, you make yeah. a really good point. And I'll argue that no one, no MC uh, collective, has represented the traditional New York sound uh, more so than Griselda over the last ten years or so. So, you know, to me, they are New York rappers, and I'll just say New York, and you can add city or state if you want to. Yeah. And so, you know, they're there. Um, so, you know, uh, again, I, you know, I, I would call them local, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of that. Yeah, I'm just, I, you know, when Flex, when somebody calls you out, you always look at like, what are the things that you can easily respond with? And it surprised me that Flex didn't go there. But um, yeah, so this argument, let's take it and put it over here. Yeah. Enter Pete Rock. Enter Pete Rock. So Pete, and like you said earlier, Pete has been very, very outspoken when something is on his mind when he's on IG. You know, he'll dip in and he'll just like, you know, blaze somebody and then like like dip out. And so this happened last month at the BET Awards because uh, Puff Diddy uh, was given the, the Legacy Award at the BET Awards. And during his speech, he referred to himself as the Chocolate Boy Wonder. He referred to Bobby Brown. Oh, Bobby Brown is a Chocolate Boy Wonder. The the original Chocolate Boy Wonder or something like that. And um, if anyone is a fan of Pete Rock, they know that he has two nicknames that are the two primary nicknames, uh, Soul Brother Number One and Chocolate Boy Wonder. Uh, You know, he's been calling himself that for probably 30 years or so, you know. Um, And so after watching that speech, Pete gets on IG and writes, Erasure is a real thing. We doing this to each other now. Um, and he said, um, he said about BT and Billboard, um, y'all know better than this. Knock this off. And then back to Puff, he says, You are from 77 Dell Avenue, Mount Vernon, New York. I know everything about you, but I wouldn't come call myself Puff Daddy when I'm the real chocolate boy wonder, boss. You kind of came out of nowhere. Been in Mount Vernon since the first grade, all the way to graduating high school. I came up with the town. My brother, Grap Lover, taught you dance steps in your garage on Dell Avenue. I touch drum machines and make the beats for real, which is, you know, obviously a shot at Puff uh, being more of an orchestrator and behind the scenes, you know, guy rather than making the beats himself. You can't erase what I've done in music or try to take my name. Everyone in hip hop knows who the Chocolate Boy Wonder is. 
You brought Biggie to the basement only to diss me later and not use me on any of his projects. You cut me out the one more chance video when Big himself invited me. You got to you got to where you wanted to be and then shit it. So uh, you know that is uh, that's uh, that's how it went at Puff. Just for that remark. So you know, back to Flex. Um, you know, and it's interesting. So why do you before we even get to Pete, what Pete said? Um, well, I'm gonna read what he says, and then we'll talk about this. He said he said to Flex, "You don't play real artists no more." You talk shit like you're better than everybody. And I believe all the threats with real talent and music were removed by plan out the way for that new as to happen. You uh, are a New York dude treating the other New York artists who put in work like our career is over. You stopped playing Wu-Tang. You played no Griselda, nothing. Stop playing a lot of artists that you judge um, and make fun of the fact you control what you want when you're on air. So much good music out here to be ignored and a, a black dude treating other black talented people like they beneath you. You don't make beats or rap, but you shit it on artists because you could and you stop supporting real hip hop music to cater to wh whoever got in your in, in their got you in their pocket. That's sucker DJ behavior. Mm -hmm. So now, OK, uh, he's taking it to a different level. Right. So. Not only is he being critical of him not playing New York artists, but now he's suggesting something we touched on before, which is that um, Flex has got like, uh, you know, is getting bags for playing music. And that's 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 the true gatekeeper. Now, or or he could be following your point and just you are leverage. You are risking your platform and always chasing the dollar that I honestly uh, think. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm going to say, you know, we're going to get into this, I, I, you know, the insinuation, and this is what Flex took it to be, is that there's payola involved. And mm -hmm. this is a rumor that has dogged Flex for decades. You know, I heard these rumors back in the 90s, like they're, they're, they've been, you know, um, they, they've reared their heads uh, multiple times. And um, so I think, um, and, and Flex took it the way he took it, but sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean... Anyway, it could mean, you know, almighty dog. I'll continue the quote and then we'll, we'll turn over to Flex. But Pete continues. He said, when I was a DJ on Hot 97 and WBLS, I never fronted on artists in hip hop by not playing their music. I played everybody's ish, even the West Coast ish you were fronting on. That's why Brothers is upset because you est on them for no reason. Black people are not supposed to treat each other like that. But these days, money will make a brother do anything. Always been a funny style dude from day one to front on brothers later and run that mouth of yours playing whack-ish. And he adds funk flex. You do this in your own city to your own people and be nonchalant about ish laughing like it's a joke. Yeah, I mean, that is, uh, th th that's, um, again, that, that to me, well, it's very clear that this is about more than what Conway is saying. This is like some feelings that Pete has held against Flex for quite some time. Um, you know, I did some research, you know, as we were prepping for this to try and find other public dust-ups between them. I didn't see anything. And, um, you know, I can't recall like specific IG posts or anything like that that Pete has directed toward Flex. Are there are there things that you know of publicly that have, that have happened between the two of them? No, I, I can't. I mean, like I said, I've seen Sean. I've heard some of Pete's collaborators and peers over the years that I won't name publicly. But just on record, there's a lot of frustration amongst the 
you know, I won't say pioneer, but amongst the legendary hip hop community at Flex of like, yo, you were our peer in the 90s. You reached out to us for freestyles on those 60 minutes of funk. Where, where did it go wrong? Like once, once we were of no service to you, where did it go? But this is the first time that I've seen Pete get at Flex this way. Yeah. And do you think that um, it was right for him to get in on this? It's interesting. So I didn't realize this until we did the story because Griselda, I mean, the interesting thing about them is they work with some of the best producers in hip hop, you know, your Mad Libs, your DJ premieres, Ninth Wonders, you know, on and on and on. And they, you know, they don't make a huge deal of it always. It's just there, you know, Havoc. Um, And Conway, you know, Conway and Pete had worked together on some of Conway's solo stuff. And, you know, Conway did guest features on the Sky Zoo Retropolitan album that you mentioned as well as Statue of Limitations, the Dizza and Benny. So they've worked together. It's wild. I mean, to me, when this first broke down, I thought, you know, we're living in the era of cancel culture. We're living in the era of when somebody goes at somebody, um, there's always a space to see if anybody else will follow suit, regardless of the level of transgression. And Conway has his moment, you know, AFH, among other platforms, covered it. And then there was a breath. And then Pete jumps in too. And I thought that that was interesting. And honestly, I waited for more people, not because I think Flex is necessarily in the wrong, but because this is an issue of a lot of folks venting their frustration of lack of support or the turn that terrestrial radio has made, especially in New York. And that didn't happen. Like Pete came in, he goes scorched earth. And then it's like, tick, 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 tick. No one else is saying anything other than the fans on platforms like ours weighing in with their own opinion. Yeah. Which, as a quick aside, was interesting. Um, you know, as you and I are discoursing, maybe a little bit debating of a, a difference of opinion on this, a lot of folks seem to come for both sides of this argument, which I thought was really interesting because Pete is the artist. You know, he's the legend. Flex is a very important figure to hip hop. But as, 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 as you said, I think, and as Pete said, you don't rap, you don't produce. I think Flex produced back in the day. Um, so you're not necessarily an artist, you're a gatekeeper, you're a media personality. So those, when that happens, typically line in the side of the artist, but that hasn't hundred percent happened here. What are some of the things that you saw, um, that were pro flex, if you can remember? Um, I saw, you know, flex has been doing this for years. This is nothing new. I saw on Twitter in response to our comments, somebody pointed out, you know, they actually challenged P rocks credibility, um, in 2018, Pete Rock had tweeted that, you know, hip hop is a Jamaican art form. Um, you know, I think Pete's father was Jamaican, Pete and Graps. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback of like, for you to do that is decrying the other just like Black American experience that's not of Jamaican descent, let alone, you know, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, etc. you know, on the Hispanic tip. So I thought that that was interesting. There's people that are just saying, yo, Pete, you've made a lot of points but you're getting further and further away from us aligning with you unilaterally. Um, that was kind of, and I saw a lot of variation of that. Anything that you saw? You know, I, I saw, I, I, most of what I saw was very pro Pete and uh, anti-Flex. You know, people saying that he had abandoned, Pete, uh, that uh, Flex had abandoned New York radio. And so, um, yeah, okay. So, so um, Flex then comes back at Pete on IG. He says, I've watched this guy give his opinion of me. And he puts opinion in quotes for about two years. 
So that's what like had me going back, trying to find what's going on. You know, um, what is it? What, what's been building between these guys for, for this time? And then he says, he's one of my favorite DJs, producers, and MCs. I hope that some of our mutual friends will understand that Goofy has been begging for smoke. Uh, and then he, he teases the fact that um, he's going to really give his response on the radio. Um, and so that happens on Thursday night. Now we're July 14th. So this is like all over the course of a three-day span. Yeah. Conway does his, you know, says what he says on Monday. I think Pete jumped in either late Monday night or Tuesday. And now Flex is coming back on um on the 14th, which by the way is Bastille day, uh, for all the French folks. <laughs> and that's when they have their fireworks. Uh, so <laughs> well played, well played. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So funk master brought the fireworks on Bastille day. He says, I'm a fan of Pete. And this went on for like 20 minutes. Uh, you know, went back and listened to the, the audio in its entirety, uh, you know, on the web. Uh, cause like, again, who listens to terrestrial radio these days, but, uh, he says, I'm a fan of Pete. I want to let you know I sat with it for a little while because it's not something I really wanted to do. I'm being very honest. This is a person that I love and respect. And I know you hear me joking and hear me throwing my little darts and stuff. I'm being entertaining, but I want to be so official. He hurt my feelings at first. I want to really like reel this in a little bit because I considered him a friend. He's a person who's a producer, a radio DJ, an artist, a thing of that sort, and I'm a huge fan of his music. I was disappointed. I was just going to scrap with him and his comments, and then he feels like he wants to take it further and say what a rotten person I am and a DJ, and I'm taking payola and everything. So he wanted to give his opinion of me, and now I'm taking my platform to give my opinion of him. All right? So even there, there's a lot to unpack. Like, He's being honest, like he's like as a fan of hip hop and being the game as long as Flex has been and from New York, I don't think there's any way you can't be a fan of Pete Rock and understand what he's brought to the game. But he specifically says he took what Pete said as, um, you know, allegations of payola. Um, And so that's a big thing. So now, like, not only does he have his, um, you know, his DJ reputation, but he's got a professional reputation he's got to defend there. Yeah, that's a really good point, and, and touche to that, too. So, yeah, and then, um, you know, Flex takes it a step further. He, he's, re- he's talking about Pete, but he's saying Pete referred to himself working at WBLS and Hot 97. Let's first clear that up, my friend. It was Marley Mall's show. You are Marley Mall's son. You never talk about him. You never big him up. You learned everything that you do from Marley. Let's start there. Yeah, I mean, okay, so now he's starting to take the gloves off and, um, you know, he gets, he starts to dig into Pete's career. He says, you were on the radio 32 years ago. You think things have changed a little bit since then? And this is what you and I were talking about earlier, like even in the last 10, 15 years, the reality is, and listen, I say this jokingly, but the reality is, is that the listenership for terrestrial radio, for FM radio has plummeted. Um, And so, in those instances, you got to do what you can to, um, you know, to get the, the revenues up. And so that's why you hear so many commercials, you know. Um, and again, that's why the playlist is so short. And that's why the marketing budgets from record companies, whether that is paid, you know, directly to DJs, which, you know, is forbidden now or via like advertising campaigns and things like that to the station, you know, which, you know, um, may indirectly have the same impact. 
Uh, in any case, all those things are more important. And it's the reason why radio has become more and more conservative over time. You know, I've seen this like happen. He says, um, you produce a ton of songs, a ton of records and a ton of good records. No, iconic, great records, including yours and your albums. But you know what I found, about, found out about you, my brother? You didn't write those verses. Grand Poobah wrote all your verses on your album and CL Smooth wrote yours on Down With The King. That also makes you a fraud, my friend. So you say that you wanna upkeep hip hop and you are all for hip hop and preserving the culture, but you didn't write your own bars. You, my friend, are a buffoon. Best verse of your life and you didn't even write it. You end up doing a whole lot of remix. Uh, well, let, let's stop there. So, yeah. okay. Um, to my knowledge, Pete has never like uh, claimed like he's like the greatest rapper on earth. In fact, a lot of times I asked him specifically in the um, the the Don't Smoke Rock interview that I did, uh, you know, because I, I think he only had like one verse or so on that album. I was like, mm-hmm. yo, um, it's so great to hear you back on the mic. Are we going to get you back on the mic? And he's like, nah, you know, th- that to me is not his bag. Um, and since then, we've seen that so many great producer rappers from Dre to Kanye, you know, don't write their own rhymes. Is it a surprise to you to hear that? Uh, do you believe it? Do you care? Like, um, you know, does doesn't matter when you're talking about Pete Rock. That one doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I would sort of like Dre, sort of like Easy. I would say that, you know, Pete Rock is, is, is you know, a really good rapper. I, I mean, I think he's got a great voice. You look at some of those verses and they they stick to your ribs, but I've never put him in the the, the you know, top mc conversation me myself um that that felt like you know flex obviously you're gonna say that to somebody because the point that i do like that he makes is you're real hip-hop quote-unquote but you did this but i don't think any like this isn't a quentin miller drake thing um which flex again was front and center on uh calling him a buffoon over that it's a funny choice of words but i don't uh yeah this one was a little bit of a reach yeah, you know, this one didn't matter so much to me. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't in any way diminish like how dope Pete sounds on the track to me. Uh, yeah. So, um, and, you know, over the years with Drake and all that other stuff, I think the importance of writing has diminished a little bit. You know, um, I would much rather have hear Dre rapping over a verse than, you know, most MCs who write uh, just because he sounds so dope. So, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. But but you want to you want to continue? Yeah, sure. Um, then he uh, he continues and he said, uh, "You end up doing a whole lot of remixes, but your friend DJ Eddie F is the one that puts you in power. All of those remixes that got you were really for Eddie F. He pa- he passed them to you. Now you're suing him. Crazy." And then Flex goes, "Allegedly, that's what I heard." Um, so this is something I was unaware of for those that, you know, as far as lawsuits, DJ EDF is a member of heavy D and the boys, um, you know, a producer like Pete and flex is somebody that has worked in radio, I believe in the last, you know, five years, he had an executive position. I want to say at power, do you know, for sure? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I mean, EDF is one of these figures. He was a time when he was in Philly radio. Um, but yeah, a prominent figure and, and, Flex is basically calling out Pete's character on a lack of gratitude towards Eddie, which I think is interesting. Um, did you interpret it as that, or did you interpret it as the remixes being made by Eddie? 
No, I interpreted it as that, that, that Pete made those remixes and Eddie F is the one who um, gave him those opportunities. Right. And that, um, that Flex was saying that like Pete was on some snake-ish um, by, by suing Eddie F. But I want to unpack that a little bit too. Like, I'd be very curious to hear what the facts are about this because, you know, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, there were a lot of headlines flying around that Pete Rock was suing Nas uh, for his work on Illmatic. Um, you know, we did some more due diligence and found out, and, and Pete himself um, got on IG and clarified, listen, I'm not suing Nas. You know, Nas doesn't own those masters. Nas is not the guy who would be paying me for this. It was Sony, the record company, that uh, hasn't paid me my, my royalties yet. Uh, but we saw a lot of publications in the space saying that Pete Rock was suing Nas, which was just completely false and erroneous. Um, so before believing he's suing Eddie F, I want to know the facts about that too, to find yeah. out what's going on. And, you know, even if he is, like, maybe it's justified. I don't know. But, um, you know, so that one, you know, because Flex also talks about him suing Nas, which we know is just untrue at this point. Yeah. And also, you know, Pete, we reported it on AFH a few years ago. Pete has said that he's sitting on some unreleased heavy D material. And that might be the dispute, too, of like who actually owns the rights to it. I'm purely speculating, but I don't know in what degree Pete and Eddie F would be in business today. Um, yeah. But to continue, and, and it, you know, I mentioned heavy D. Flex continues. He goes, heavy D wanted to go in the studio with you. Rest in peace. And you wanted the money up front out of his album budget before you gave him the beats. You remember when you fell out, but you want to uphold the culture and I'm not upholding the culture. Is that correct, my friend? So that's interesting. And I, I can't speak on that. And that's a sensitive issue because you're not only dealing with uh, the deceased and heavy D, you're dealing with family. Pete and have her cousins. The one thing that I can say just as a fan is, you know, Pete, you know, in, in integral productions in his career happened on heavy D and the boys, you know, kind of ascending into what became Pete and CL Smooth. When Heavy D and the boys disbanded and Heavy became solo, I don't think you get Pete Rock production. That doesn't necessarily validate by any measure what Flex is saying, but he's really poking the bear here. I think um, Got Me Waiting was a Heavy D solo uh, record, right? Um, I think it's Heavy D and the boys still. I don't know. Maybe go back and check that. Right. That one I thought was solo. Um, definitely, he got credit on that. He definitely got credit on Don't Curse. Um, you know, there was credit, um, but I'll say again. Heavy D and the boys, you owe me a Coke. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it matters, though. Like, no. it doesn't matter whether it's Heavy D solo or, or, or in the boys. Like, he got paid for Heavy D production and he got credit for it. You know, but the bigger thing, like, so what, what Flex alleges, again, putting on my business former lawyer hat, like, it is standard for producers to get paid out of the record company budget uh, before they commence. They, they typically get a percentage up front and it's, it's often like 50 percent uh, uh you know before uh 25 percent on delivery of the rough and 25 percent delivery of the master um and so that's just standard right that's not like him being shady toward hev that's like just um the lawyers doing what they do in the contract and often what happens is the the, the song will have been made for you know a long time before the paperwork is done you know i used to do uh dj premieres production work for two years like saw you know probably did 100 200 different production agreements over time that's just standard so again like um a, a lot of this has to be context and you know so far the things that are being dropped by by flex i think are 
incendiary, but if you know, uh, you know, the real facts aren't that big a deal. Yeah. And also I'll just, as we're moving forward, I've heard Pete a number of times praise Marley Mall as his kind of OG and Mr. Magic, Um, you know, and, and, and after later on in Pete's career, he and Marley reunited for the future flavor show, which I remember being, you know, you could get access to it online in the nineties, you know, on, on real player, if I'm not mistaken. So Pete and Marley, that I don't see his point. Um, so yeah, incendiary to continue, uh, Flex goes on this harangue and he says, so in the 90s, right? You're hot. I'm going to tell you the exact time you were out of business and no longer relevant. This song should explain what happened to your career. This song right here is the reason you, sir, were finished, no longer mattered and weren't relevant. And then Flex plays Craig Mack's Flavor in Your Ear, which is produced by Easy Mo B, Bad Boy Record. And then Flex continues. So New York City, the reason he hates Diddy so much is because when that song came out, and that was 93, 94, somewhere in there, you no longer mattered. Your beats became garbage, and you're mad at Puff Daddy because he changed the game. So now you want to attack him, taking his name, taking whatever. He didn't take nothing. Okay, then, Bozo? Yeah, I mean, so the interesting thing about that is, first of all, um, I don't think that it's true because, uh, you know, Obviously, Pete had um, The World is Yours around that same time, too, which set New York on fire. The irony, though, is that when you really step back and dissect, um, you know, Flavor in Your Ear and some of those other Easy Mo B tracks that were so dope, you hear the obvious influence of Pete Rock in those tracks. You know, the muted bass line, like the, the horns, like, you know, up in the mix, that those were kind of signature kind of Pete Rock productions, and not to say that uh, no shade toward Ismo B because he's like phenomenal producer and obviously has huge classics. But you know, like we talked about last episode with like top MCs, I think uh, the same way top producers are influenced by the people they listen to, and you hear Pete Rock's influence. So even though those weren't his tracks, yeah, um, I would say that those tracks were the fruit of Pete Rock's tree, um, and so. Rather than end him, I think they celebrate him. Um, you know, yeah, I think they're... Some... Well, go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I think Moby and Pete Rock are peers for sure. And I can understand, like, if you would have told me at the time that Pete produced Flavor New Year, I would have bought it. You know, like, I would have, I would have, you know, I would have, you know, as versatile as he is. And I get your point and I agree. I don't think Moby in any way, shape or form is biting. The thing I do want to add, and, and I could we could have said this after Pete's thing towards Diddy, there's a little bit of weird history there. I mean, Pete, along with Premier, was was one of the guys that had kind of helped Biggie work out his demo when he was still an artist known as Biggie at Uptown. And Pete, you know, and this is documented, produced Juicy. Um, but it's not the version we heard. But Pete was the one who had big rap over the M2Me Juicy Fruit. And, you know, Diddy and Puff travel up to wherever Pete was living at the time, hit his basement studio, hear it. You go, mm-hmm, and Puff, and I think it was the track masters, if I'm not mistaken, or Chucky Thompson, one of them, um, takes that song and makes the hit that people know and love and, and shout out at Irish pubs tonight, and Pete gets the remix. And sadly, after that, Pete never gets to work with Biggie, you know, properly. Um, Premier did, Moby did, Buck Wild did, Lord Finesse did, but Pete's not. And Pete has also said that Puffy credited Pete for those ad-libs, those little things that he would say under the raps and sound slick. Puff has said to Pete, according to Pete, yo, man, I got that from you. Like, you, you knew how to freshen up these records and make them sound fresh. 
and also Bad Boy, especially in its first generation, was huge on remixes. And again, you know, Pete took umbrage with Jermaine Dupri back in the day over We Invented the Remix. Um, you know, Pete was one of those artists that really kind of made the remix a thing that, that, that diggers and hip hop heads look for. So there's a lot of weird history there. Um, and, and Flex is, again, trying to discredit Pete for like just angry, angry man at Diddy. And I think there's something to that. I think yeah. there's something to Pete Rock's anger not Flex's portrayal of this. Yeah, I mean, I think that came out in the, in the, the uh, IG post that Pete did about Puff too. Like there's yeah. definitely some Mount Vernon history here um, that is unresolved and we don't know that story, but you know, it's clearly like coming out on both sides, you know, and Pete like talked specifically about being pulled off of Biggie's project. So yeah, that's, that's a great call out, you know. Um, you know, he also, now Flex talks about other business practices of Pete, you know, he says Pete is tight because he took money up front for his remixes and not royalties. And now his money is tight. Again, you know, having done a ton of these production agreements, uh, it wasn't, it was very common that for remixes, producers got a flat fee and they didn't get royalties. You know, there's a lot of complexities for producers getting royalties because even though it's a remix, um, the publishing is still like amongst the original like song creators and like, you know, adding another person with the remix just like divides that up even further. So a, a lot of ways they address that is just giving people like, you know, money off top. So, you know, again, that's not, that's just like the business. It's not like a, uh, an unsavvy move on Pete's part. So this then, is where it starts to get interesting. And, you know, Flex pokes at Pete's on again, off again, you know, creative partner, CL Smooth. And Flex says, CL Smooth is the reason you even exist. What you should have learned, like DJ Premier and Gangstar and Run DMC and Mob Deep, is that producers always give the best materials to their groups. You, Bozo, gave it out as remixes to be spiteful. What happened now in 2022? Guess who's broke? You want to sue people that helped you like Nas and DJ Eddie F. And again, you spoke of the lawsuit part. Just a quick question in regards to that. Would you... One, I'll say, you know... Correct me if I'm wrong, but DJ Premier was criticized, especially when it came time to J.Ru and Group Home, of giving away phenomenal beats to other people. Is that fair? Um, I think that's part of what um, the, the, uh, caused the divide with him and, and Guru to some degree. Uh, you know, I've heard that, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, like, so I guess I, I take issue with the point in general. Like, um, I personally don't agree with the notion that Pete gave away his best material for remixes. Like I put those Pete Rock and CL Smooth joints like up against any records um, that Facts. Pete produced. Like I mean, just uh, Mecca and the Soul Brother, and um, you know, uh, well, the, those three. The, the, you know, the first three like were all like almost cl like classic. Like I, I have a hard time finding bad records out of any of those. So like, I just don't even accept the notion that, and I think all of his work was on par at that point. And so, you know, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I agree with that at all. I think the best things Pete have ever produced, this is just me going on record are what he's done with CL Smooth. Um, yeah. You know, Mech and the Soul Brother and the main ingredient. And I, I'd be hard pressed to tell you one's better than the other, but those are phenomenally produced. And um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not buying that point. So here's where it takes a turn. Um, you know, so, so far Flex has been about business practices. Well, just business practices, right. In terms of like, 
his his business choices uh, with suing people, with um, you know royalties he's gotten, and the way that he's uh, disseminated his beats. But then it gets personal, and this is where it gets really nasty. And I got to say, just given the context that I have, just myself on the business side, and knowing like how certain things respond, I'm wondering to me, like whether or not these things are being spun in the same way. You know, so the first thing he talks about is the group, the YGs, um, Youthful Gangsters, um, which Pete Rock produced. Um, uh, he said they took Pete to the ATM machine and forced him to take out money for them. And so it says they took his chain and watch too. And he says they beat him up at uh, a, a barbecue that he had to. And so, um, you know, that's one thing. But then he starts talking about a relationship about his relationship with CL Smooth. And he says, so New York City, this guy also went to the precinct on CL Smooth, his partner that he's known for 30 years, went to the precinct, filled out a report, went on record. The police came to arrest CL. Due to a technicality, they couldn't arrest him. He did this in the UK. He did not care if this guy was put in a jail overseas where the rules are totally different from New York. And we know like what that can look like in terms of what ASAP Rocky faced in Sweden, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Denmark, yeah. what um, what um, Freddie Gibbs faced, like, I mean, it is no joke to get locked up overseas. He went to the precinct, yeah. yeah, went to the precinct, filled out a report, cooperated, and I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm going to just say this the best way I can. Sometimes when a person has a partner and knows, hey, man, they might pull him over, he might have something in that car, they might go up in that apartment, they may know where you keep stuff. And then they send the police to your house. What type of guy is this? And you talk to me about the game and integrity. You have none, my friend. You have zero. Don't you ever. You hear me, Bozo? So, like, um, these are really, really, really serious allegations, you know. And we know, you know, it's, it's no secret that Pete and CL have not been on good terms for a number of years now. You know, uh, they flirted with a reunion a few years ago, and that never materialized. Who knows, you know, when you got that much history, uh, we've seen many of the greatest groups, you know, um, from Mob Deep to Gangstar to whatever, to Woo to whoever have Naughty by nature. differences that are aired out over time. But, you know, in some ways it's like family, you know, family disagrees, family comes back together. But these are serious allegations. What, what do you think about this, especially in the context of what we've heard um, thus far from Flex? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And, and I've looked throughout the week to see if CL would comment, and I have yet to find that. Um, it's, it's a heavy allegation um, because it just speaks to loyalty. I don't even necessarily like, you know, the stitching part to me, you know, uh, is, is wild. And, and to your point, I mean, when the stories alone of Eric and Parrish Smith, you know, are crazy. And then you and I in 2018 go to the studio to see Eric Sermon and boom, PMD's there. So like, you know, friendships can evolve. You can have major high stakes things, but it, it, you know, even recently in 2019, CL goes on sway in the morning and he really wouldn't get to brass tacks as far as where he and Pete are, why it went wrong. So this is a new revelation. Um, I do know that those guys went on tour overseas in 2016, did a number of dates. You know, I think even Pete told you in the interview that there was talk of that, you know, fourth album, fourth project, third album, um, everyone got excited and then boom, it wasn't going to happen. So I'll be curious how this one plays out. But of all the things that Flex says, this is by far the boldest accusation. Yeah, it's the most incendiary. I think the one that triggered the most headlines. 
you know, if I'm Pete Rock, it's probably the one that triggers me the most, you know, and, and CL too. Um, but then Flex pivots and goes back to some of Conway's, um, you know, allegations and specifically talks about why he plays the music that he does. And he says, you know, it's not my fault. I've made a decision in New York. I like new hip hop. I like the new music. I like what people make. I like songs that move the club. I am not an A&R and I'm not a label owner. My job is to play the heat. And what I do find, what I do is find the good records and I play them. The word is called hip hop, emphasis on hip. If you are 45 or 50, there's nothing hip left in your body to rhyme about. Now, let me be specific, though. You can be 40 to 50 and make great songs for your fan base. I love that. I love what people, I love people who do that. Artists should do that, that all the time. I like to, to DJ for my fan base, and I play on this radio for my fan base. I never take a penny to play songs. I love what I do. This is my dream job. So now listen, okay, let, let's break that down. Like, you know, we played, we, 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 do the things for we try and stay true to our fan base as much as possible right you and um, me yeah you and i and and right. afh in general we have talked a long time now about how there are a lot of rappers making their best music in their 40s um you know you have artists like rick ross who in their 40s two chains who in their 40s who are making music that is moving to clubs that is on the radio you think it's even a valid point to say that, like, if you're your 40s and 50s, there's nothing hip coming out of your body? I mean, a lot of the music that's driving radio now still is coming from 40-year-olds. I Jay mean, the song now is on the radio, for if sure. Jay, if Dr. Dre or Jay, Dre is in his 50s, if they drop a song this afternoon, single or together, Flex will be playing it the next chance he's on radio. I guarantee you. Yeah. I was going to say LL, but Flex is so competitive and LL has rocked the bells. I don't know that he's playing that. But it that point you know i think the club thing is is an interesting point like if you are really the king of the clubs and you want to play music that moves bodies that's cool but the hip thing i'm not buying that i'm not drinking that yeah i mean so that was really interesting to me you know um i don't know i don't know um and you know he ends it you know by saying pete i don't dislike you my brother i respect you so much and I know that sounds weird in this whole thing, but I'm not letting you come out and don't try to swipe me and then run back and hide, bro. I'm not the guy. And he I says, thought- you chose to do underground radio. You wanted to be underground bandit, play a bunch of underground records, and eventually you didn't exist. Me, I used to be an underground DJ. I chose to be more mainstream. That's what I want to do. I will never run from it and hide from it. Mm. Powerful words. Um you know, and one point of note, I should say, you know, Dante Ross tweeted, and, and this is really important. And this is context I don't have. Dante Ross, you know, was A&R at Electra and was the person, if I'm not mistaken, to sign Pete and CL Smooth to Electra, help, you know, make their inroads to the label system. And Dante said that it was, um, it was Flex who got the Go With The Flow single back in 1990 off the all sold out EP and turned it over to the B side and started playing the creator, which, you know, was an igniter to Pete and CL's career. And I also thought that's interesting too, because you have a DJ doing some real DJ ish of like, okay, you're servicing me this record. Nah, it ain't me, but I'm gonna go with this other record. And of the all sold out EP, the creator is the song that I personally think has endured the strongest, got a video really changed things. And Dante also said that flex, you know, was one of the the DJs that really helped they reminisce over you catch fire. 
which if you go back to 91, 92, I mean, that is one of Pete's best productions, but that's a record that is, you know, arguably one of my favorite, you know, hip hop songs, period. But I don't know that it's something that you would expect to hear on radio. It's a tribute song. It's a family record. Um, so again, you know, it's interesting context to consider, but I wanted to bring that in there. What did you think of Flex kind of like parting words for Pete? Uh, you know what? I think, I think that Flex can't be criticized for his choice and the way that he evolved his career. You know, um, first of all, let's take him at his word. Let's say that he loves that new music. Then that's his right, right? His right is to play the music that he loves. And, um, you know, I don't think you can be criticized for your own personal taste. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's say that it was just purely a business move and calculated. I'm not mad at that either. You know, if he wants to, if he is a guy who says, listen, I'm always going to be the guy who follows trends. Uh, I'm going to stay current. I'm going to stay mainstream. And so I'm going to continue to evolve with the music, the way it's going. Then I think that's his right too. But what do you think about that? I mean, is it Flex's prerogative to do what he wants to do? Or do you think that he has an obligation given what he play, what role he played in hip hop to like stay true to a certain uh, fan base? I think it's a balance, man. I mean, you know, we used to cover the mixes, but on I think it's Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, Flex would always bring, you know, his mentor, Chuck Chill Out, Red Alert, maybe Pete. He would bring the OGs back to Hot 97 to DJ over the holidays. There's, you can't wear both hats. I mean, you can always look at what, your contributions were but what are they and I look at the Pete's I look at the premieres you know I'll even say like Dr. Dre signing Kendrick Lamar in 2011 um, that wasn't a guaranteed mainstream move he took a chance on lyricism and we saw how that worked you know when Eminem went out and got all these gangster rappers that weren't the most lyrical dudes that didn't work out nearly as well as when he stood up for hip-hop and made it work and, and was a label guy um, and I know, like, to me, the lyrical side includes 50 Cent. But when you went and tried to get guys that couldn't rhyme, it didn't work. I think that fortune favors the bold. And I would like to see Flex stand up for what he represents in some ways, or at least lay out a clear path to get on the radio show. And this is where it gets tricky, because how does the Flex and Conway situation end? Flex, and I, we can give a quote, um, Flex offers to Conway... I'm going to, do you have the quote? Uh, yeah, he said, um, well, I don't have the quote, but he, he, he told Conway, he said, listen, um, Conway and I are doing a song together. After he like kind of dissed Conway, he said, nah, I shouldn't do that. Like we, we, so he implied that they're talking behind the scenes. And he said that Conway and he were doing a song together and he was going to play the song um, next week on the radio. Um, you know, Conway, in the meantime, you know, after he heard uh, Flex's um, you know, response, said, OK, uh, my brother, I heard the show. It's my turn now. I'll deal with you in a few. Stay tuned. So I'm not sure that that can go a lot of different ways. You know, I'm yeah. not sure. Like, you know, he could be pre preparing a disc record like he could be working with them. Like, who knows? You know? Yeah. I mean, that one's tricky because that one is gonna benefit both flex and conway and that makes me wonder and i'm just throwing this out there because you and i had this debate last summer when lupe and royce were going at it i mean these were guys that had a podcast together and it escalates and then mickey facts you know respected mc top tier lyricist former battle mc you know is in the mix and him and royce really go at it and mickey drops 
you know, a clear the table type of disc record. And, you know, if, if Lupe and Royce repair things, where does that leave Mickey Fax? And I'm curious if Conway and Flex are buddy-buddy after this whole dust-up. You know, I know Flex says that Pete's his friend, but did Pete go to the mat for Conway and, you know, get hit a little bit in the crossfire? It just makes you wonder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's like, uh, uh, you know, you, you go to break up a fight and then they start both beating on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm wondering if, so I could think of a bunch of outcomes here, but two of the more intriguing ones to me are if Conway does team up with Flex to do a song, seeing, you know, what that product is and whether or not it gets played not only from Flex, but but mainstream radio play. So yeah. then I, I think that turns into like a great, this, this is a phenomenal outcome for Conway. Another interesting thing though is if, and you, you said that we're together, but it would be interesting to hear a Conway- flex uh disc record produced by pete rock i think that could be kind of cool too um you know so but i I don't think and you know even like so we're we're recording this on saturday uh it's coming out on monday it's very possible we'll put the disclaimer out now and we'll maybe update it in the description if something happens but uh it's very possible that another chapter could unfold even between this but I, i don't think this is the end of the story by by any stretch yeah, I mean, I like what you said. And I didn't even go there. And let's not forget, Pete produced uh, Commons B&U, which was the uh, Ice Cube and Westside Connection disc, or at least Mac-10. And uh, yeah. yeah, that that could happen. That could yeah. happen. And if you're Conway and you see some of those comments that you saw on Facebook, that would be a great way to really stand and plant the flag for what Griselda stands for and challenge this old guard system. And it's not just Flex. I mean, it's not but flex is always going to be the loudest in the room among um, radio DJs that play music, you know? So I got, I got one final question about this um, and this pulling back from beyond uh, the folks we're talking about now. Do you think broadcast radio even matters anymore? You know, for me personally, um, like I said, the, 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 the audience is declining like substantially. It's a fraction of what it used to be. You got like a million other outlets now, Um, you know, people can have their own customized radio on Apple Music or Spotify or Tidal, Um, you know, that if they want to be programmed, there's a bunch of playlists out there that uh, will give them ideas that they can use to dive off, you know, um, you can create a playlist from any song. Uh, you got rap caviar for like the, the kind of like, you know, new stuff. You got ours, uh, which is catering to people 25 and older and more lyrical. Um, you got Pandora, which is um, uh, as many radio stations as you can imagine. You got satellite radio. Um, you know, you got digital publications that keep you. There's so many different ways to like get music out there now. Do you think that radio matters anymore? Radio matters. I mean, you know, for me. I I listen, I like college radio. I'm curious about hearing new music. I listen when I'm in Seattle, that, that like public owned radio station, but terrestrial hip hop radio in 2022 bores the hell out of me. I still, you said broadcast. So I'm going to, you know, satellite. I always look forward to static show, Tony touch DJ eclipse. I look at eclipses playlist every Monday. If I didn't get to catch the show and I listen to the artist, cause he breaks records. He breaks yeah, artists. I mean, I mean, sorry. I mean, FM radio, um, I mean, you go to yeah. like the FM dial, you got to listen to commercials. Not when's the last time you listened to FM radio. Hip hop. It's been a long time. 
Okay. I listened. I listened to FM radio yesterday. My 38 year old white ass was NPR. I will listen to Princeton's PRB radio. You know, like that's college, but terrestrial, like clear channel, big brother radio. Yeah. Especially on the hip hop tip. It's been a minute. Like when I'm driving up your way, there's a station out of Hartford that plays dope hip hop on terrestrial radio. You might know the name of it. You can get it, uh, yeah. you know, but not like, not like growing up. Not at okay, all. Okay. But that's specifically what I'm talking about, right? Does yeah. that radio, does that radio matter anymore? No. Aside from like, I'll tell you what matters to me, uh, which I listen to multiple times a week, is the talk shows. Like mm. so, Breakfast Club, and you know, it's it's syndicated nationally now. Um, you know, that matters to me because I care about the interviews. I find the perspectives of like the the the, the personalities. So Charlamagne, Envy, and and Angela Yee to be interesting. I'll tune into that because that's mm. a show. But I'm not going to them for music ever. No, I haven't heard Flex's show you know, in years, um, you know, because I got my own outlets that, that I go to for that. You know? Well, we'll watch his interviews. We'll watch his freestyles, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm the same as you. That was a long-ass answer. I remember being in 2018 when Royce the 5'9 put out Layers. I was driving through Philly, and he did like a one-hour interview in the middle of the afternoon at one of the Philly radio stations. And as I drove, and they played like, you know, snippets of records, I was like, when Royce leaves the studio will y'all ever play any of these Royce songs again? Will I ever hear this again? And it, it upset me, but I also got to say, I didn't stay and listen to find out. So. Yeah. All right. One last, sorry. One last question on this. So going back to what started it, which is Conway and um, his um, disgruntlement with the fact that New York is not supporting him. Does Griselda need this? Like Gris you and I have celebrated Griselda for a number of years for, in fact, um, I think the headline of the interview we, we did with these guys, which you guys can find on the channel, is um, how Griselda, you know, uh, was built brick by brick. Mm -hmm. Like the movement that they have created is so incredibly impressive that even the Shady Records thing to me was not the pinnacle for them. Like that was okay, cool. Shady's like jumping on their heat, you know, yeah. um, not the other way around. Um, and West Side Gun is just such a marketing genius. Uh, we've seen others like Chance, like, you know, Dreamville is largely independent, you know, save for Cole, much of TDE, you know, short of like Kendrick and, and, and Q. Like, I don't know that um, these guys, I don't even know that they should be caring about like this kind of like uh, recognition. You know, it's just like hip hop with the Grammys. Like, I think that they've done enough and don't need this. So what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a drive. It's a drive to get recognition, the same as the Grammys. Does hip-hop need the Grammys? No. Does, does, does the Grammys tell hip-hop what its best is? No. But we want to narrow that gap, and I think that Griselda wants to narrow that gap. If I walk down the street of my house for one mile, you know, you're going to hear hip-hop playing out of cars that you're not going to hear on radio. And throughout the last two, three, four years, I hear a lot of Griselda. I hear a lot of people talking about Benny Conway and West Side Gun, and I do think the 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 fandom needs to be represented in other ways and i think they're looking at new frontiers of like yeah why aren't we on radio because drill is the movement and that is one of the things that i side with flex on flex plays drill hip-hop as far as i understand a drill rap and that's a a movement that at least new york has a heavy hand in whether or not it started in the uk or new york conversation for another day but at some point, somebody had to play the first Pop Smoke record or the first Sleepy Hollow record and really start to build that. And if I'm Conway, if I'm Gunn, if I'm Benny, if I'm any you know, of these people, if I'm Rome Streets, if I'm whomever, 
what is the pathway to narrow the gap of representation? You know, uh, Benny was disappointed. He didn't get a Grammy nod. I was disappointed with him. We did a whole podcast. So you challenge the powers that be to wake the hell up. And yeah. I think that, that's valid. I feel that. I feel that. Um, all right, cool, man. You know, okay, this was like uh, a big deal over the week, but there was other really incredible stuff that happened this week in hip hop. Uh, I think the biggest thing for a lot of folks is DJ Premier released an EP. Um, it's a five song EP. It's in partnership with Mass Appeal, which, uh, you know, most people know uh, Nas you know, is an owner of the label. They are really putting a flag in the ground for hip hop's 50th anniversary, and they're releasing a series of EPs, uh, five song EPs by different producers um, that will amount to 50 songs uh, in celebration of hip hop's 50th anniversary. And they kicked it off, uh, I think, very fittingly with uh, an EP produced by DJ Premier. It features songs by Joey Badass, Remy Ma, and Rhapsody on a single track. Um, um, Run the Jewels on the track, Lil Wayne and uh, Slick Rick, and uh, Nas, of course. And so it's incredible. Uh, we put all five songs on our playlist. It's the first, uh, first. we've ever, yeah, ever put everything from a single project. We've gotten close with some things, but never the entire thing. Uh, but it's as fitting a project as I can think of to do that for. Um, and it's dope. But, you know, what are some of the highlights for you on that? Yo, the highlights on this one came from unexpected places. I mean, I got hell for this when they did the premiere Rizza Versus, and I said on record early on that Premier is my favorite producer. Um, you know, the verses as, as that list you just unraveled is incredible across five songs. It's a 15 minute project. Um, Remy Ma has the verse of the album to me. And, you know, I've respected Remy, you know, as a person and as an artist for years. If you would have put all those artists on paper, I never would have said that. And then Wayne. And this is, unless I am giantly mistaken, this is the first time Wayne's, you know, touched a premiere beat. And both of them just bodied it. And especially that Remy rap song. Um, the thing I admire about Premier is he tends to go in five and ten year uh, iterations. You know, the early Gangstar stuff doesn't sound like the later Gangstar stuff. He doesn't want to keep giving you that same sound. That's true of Pete Rock, true of Dre. But what Pete did on the Remy rap beat, um, you know, it's really surgically cutting down a record. I asked you yesterday, I was like, I recognize this sample, um, but it's it's advancing the culture on beats and rhymes. Um, those two songs and the Slick Rick and Wayne joint, just conceptually, they're both rapping about money. I think it's called The Root of It All. Man, um, great way to end that out, end that project too. I'll be very curious to see who these other nine producers are. But that was, uh, that's my takeaway. What, what's yours? Yeah, Remy, Remy killed that, man. Uh, just, you know, it's interesting because she starts off talking about how it's only like five women who can really rap, um, you know, which is a bold statement. And, um, you know, it cuts both ways. On the one hand, um, she's being super real and critical about the fact that a lot of uh, women MCs who've been put up there have been put up there for their sexuality and their look more so than their ability to actually rap. And, you know, she's had a, a pretty uh, fiery history with Nicki Minaj in the past and, and, and others. So I get it from that perspective. I also, though, think it's a bit of a disservice and buys into a stereotype that we've heard, like from you know some of our audience that, you know, women 
are lesser uh, MCs than others. Because I don't think anyone would say there's only five dudes that can rap. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of women that can rap. Um, there's a lot of them that aren't, um, you know, aren't being named and getting that radio airplay. You know, 3D Nati comes to mind, No Name. Um, you know, uh, there's just a bunch of really dope women spitters out there. So, um, you know, while it's a dope line and everything and incendiary, I don't want it to undercut the, the fact that there's just a ton of great MCs out there. But regardless of who's out there, I think Remy and Rap are two of the illest and, um, and showcase that. And to me, Remy hasn't had a verse this strong since Sheether, uh, which we also know set the, the web on fire. That was a, a, her diss of, uh, of Nikki, uh, which was crazy. But yeah, standout project, really, really dope. Um, anything, um, anything, what else, uh, this week for you? Yo, I mean, crazy. I mean, you and I did a whole, uh, podcast episode dedicated to the Super Bowl halftime. That performance is nominated for an Emmy, um, for best variety, um, and primetime, I believe is the name of the category. And what's so interesting is, you know, it's, it's, that was Dre's celebration. It was Dre day. It was Dre. And then you had Eminem, Snoop. Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and then with them, Anderson Pack and 50 Cent. But if they were to win and they're competing against the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys, heavy hitters, it puts M in that ego category, or as you called it, Eminemi, which I think is a yeah. dope, dope wordplay. Just interesting. You know, we really celebrated, you know, Common and we've celebrated John Legend. We've, we've celebrated Mary J. Blige's chances when she was up for an Oscar. Um, just an interesting point of note as we all celebrate, you know, hip hop artists and new frontiers. Yeah. The last thing I want to point out is, so another standout track on that Primo joint for me is the Joey Badass one. And Joey okay. has teased the fact that he's releasing an album um, that's kind of a sequel to his uh, seminal mixtape 1999. Uh, I think it's called 2000. Coming out next week coming out next week and joey has been on a tear like he's got a great song uh with static selector called head high the primo joint's incredible he's released three or four songs over the last like you know couple of months i think are just among his best work so i just want to like shout out joey bass when you talk about new york sound you know he's one of the guys who kick-started that um that resurgence of lyrical hip-hop in new york Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's great to see him back doing what he does best at like kind of the peak of his art form right now. Yo, man, I agree. And, you know, shout out to the, back in Hip Hop DX in 2011. I, me and our music editor, Kathy Ondali, covered Survival Tactics, which was Joey Badass and Capital Steez. And he recently did a song kind of modeled after that song. And the first verse is all about Steez. And, and Joey's done that before, but it's clearly an issue that's weighing on him, especially making a sequel to a classic mixtape that Steez was part of. But I have to say, like, big fan of Joey in those mixtape days. Some of his albums, you know, I, I, have, I have liked, but I haven't loved them. What Joey's done in 2022 has really excited me. Like, and again, I mean, Joey has an Oscar by virtue of, of what he did with Diddy last year. Um, I, he's another artist that is really challenging his confines. And it's so interesting. We spent all this time talking about Griselda because Conway, you know, has made his home in Atlanta for a number of years. You know, he said that there have been records Conway's put out as a solo artist that are very ATL sounding, 
very much like in that trap rap chamber. And a lot of those records you and I have not covered on AFH. Conway's found his greatest acclaim kind of coming back to his core. And I think that's true of Joey too, because what he's done um, this year in particular seems like a progression, even though it's a decade later of 1999. So that album next week, man, I can't wait for it. We're, we're. So, yo, uh, anything else for you? No, nah, man, it's a, it, that was a packed plate. I really like the way we broke that down. What's your song of the week, man? Yo, man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off script. I'm gonna do two this week. Um, shit. You know, I'm gonna do "Loud Hangover," uh, courtesy <laughs> of Funkmaster Flex, and I'm gonna do "Soul Brother Number One," courtesy of Pete Rock and CL Smooth. You know, um, definitely a lot, and um, you know, it is definitely engaging to watch um, this unfold. But I think that. Um, in the words of Jay-Z, uh, nobody wins in the family feuds. And so, you know, I hope that these two legendary hip-hop icons who both happen to be from New York, um, you know, come to a place of peace at some point. Yeah, man, I like that. And, and, and I like the way that even though tempers are flaring, that Flex, you know, kind of ended his side of it right now, you know, bringing up his affinity um, and his fandom of Pete. That's huge. Um, and, and it's worth noting, too, as you say, Loud Hangover, man, Sadat X popped up on my release radar. He did a new joint with um, Jay Worthy, who's an artist that is on our playlist, working with Larry June. And it was cool. Totally unexpected collaboration. But uh, check that out. My song of the week is actually called Love and Dope. I sent it to you a few weeks back. J-Rock, not J-Rock of TDE, but J-Rock of the Beat Junkies. Um, Mad Lib's longtime DJ was did the scratches on J-Lib, you know, West Coast mainstay, put out a dope project recently um, called uh, A Wonderful Letter. And it's a tribute to LA and it's a tribute to all sides of LA. You know, the electro funk, um, kind of that like far side freestyle fellowship era, some gangster rap on there. It's got um, Koreatown Oddity, LMNO, uh, you know, heads may remember, leave my name out. Steve Arrington, Funk OG. Frank from Frank and Dank, an Egyptian lover. But Love and Dope features MED, Metaphor, and it has, yo, I've played that song 25 times. So right. if you like any of that, you like LA hip hop, give it a spin. That's dope. I look forward to checking it out. Yes, man. Well, yo, man, thank you for the time and the insight. Let's see how this one plays out. Word, man. Always a pleasure. Likewise, man. Until we do it again. Word. <laughs>